Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Lucy Love. Lucy is the voice and visionary behind Purely Being Guided Meditations, an inspirational platform and podcast with over 170 meditations designed to help you tap into who you truly are, awaken deep self-love, and manifest your dream life. Lucy is such a sweet soul. I loved hearing about her meditation journey. And we talk about the progressive highs and pinnacle moments you can get in meditation through a consistent practice. This is really important to remember so that you stay diligent and patient with yourself. We live very much in an instant gratification society, and that can work against us when it comes to true transformation, because true transformation takes time and it takes dedication. It takes a reprogramming in a sense. She also gives some great insight on self-love when we talk about the spreading of self-deprecation and what that actually does to someone else's self-confidence. So I want you to consider as you listen to this episode, what is the price of misplaced humility? So before we get started here, I just want to point you to the show notes where you can get the link to all of our sponsors and partners of the Meditation Conversation podcast, as well as some awesome discount codes for those companies. And head on over to karagoodwin.com and check out the Meditation Immersion online course or the Healing Hearth membership for ongoing support and inspiration for your meditation and spiritual growth. We have an amazing community of beautiful souls, and I would love to connect with you there as well. So please enjoy this episode. So welcome, Lucy. I'm so happy to connect with you today. Hi, Kara. I'm so happy to be here with you too. So let's start by talking about your meditation journey. What brought you to using meditation as a tool? Yes, you know... Something I've noticed in my life is a lot of the best things kind of happened serendipitously, and I couldn't really see the power of them in the moment. And my meditation journey was no different because it was actually um, my mom who began meditating after she had breast cancer. It was kind of part of her healing journey, and she connected to it through Deepak Chopra. And so she was doing this transcendental style of meditation, morning and evening, 30 minutes. Um... And that was just kind of a constant in the background for my life when I was a teenager that I didn't even think too much about or even question. But when my friends came over, they were like, what is your mom doing? And I was like, she's meditating. (laughs) And um, one of them asked, can she teach us how to meditate? And that was the very first, like I had never thought to ask her or anything like that. And so she just taught us this very simple, you know, feet on the floor, hands on your lap, breathing. she gave us her mantra to use and I used it for years. It worked for me really well. Um, and that was that. And then I felt this calling, um, later that evening to try it. And the first time I tried to meditate, I found it very frustrating. I was like, this isn't working. This doesn't work for me. Um, but it was this weird inner impulse that kept calling me back. I would just at random points in the day or in the evening before bed, feel it. I want to try again. And then I had this moment where I was just sitting on my bed and I felt this calm relaxation come over me. And it was like, I felt like I just like, it was the first breath I truly took in this lifetime. I was like, 
like this weight just lifted off my head. I was like, this is, what is this (laughs) really? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I didn't even really realize that I was just carrying this low level tension. I think that's quite common, you know, (laughs) I'm not unique in that, but my whole life, just a little bit anxious all the time. And this was like a a different feeling. Mm. And, um, yeah, around that time I started to practice yoga and it just became a part of my daily life. I was kind of seeking out that feeling, I guess, that experience of just floating above the clouds for a second. Um, and something I've noticed with meditation, it's beautiful, you know, with the having done it for years and witnessed many other people do it as well. There is this kind of natural progression that happens, this natural questioning. I find a lot of us have had the same experiences that where you all of a sudden, you know, feel one with everything. You start to create a little space between you and your beliefs or reactions. And so, yeah, it's just taken me on a, on a really beautiful journey since then. I had no idea it would lead to where I am today at that time. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And I love how you, you, well, first of all, how you had almost an immediate response to it, you know, that same day, feeling that like noticeable and palpable sense of relief of, you know, the churning thoughts. I know for me personally, it took a little bit longer before I felt like my first real like, whoa, what was that? And it was light. It was like this beautiful light that just appeared and it was like it appeared above me and it was kind of like coming down and it was an inner light. Um, I mean, it brought me to tears and it took me, I don't know how long, you know, it was a few weeks into my journey, maybe a couple of months. I really can't remember, but it was like, whoa, I just went beyond like relaxation into something really interesting, like into connecting with something that, um, I believed was there and I hoped was there, but I hadn't really had a conscious experience with. And it was, again, like it, it reduced me to tears. I was so, um, it was just such an incredible experience. So it's really cool how there are these different levels almost of experience that we can have and they, and it can be kind of a cumulative thing over time where we get like little tastes of it and it's, and, and, you know, they, like for me, I'd never had an experience like that before. So it seemed like the pinnacle experience that was possible because in my frame of reference, it, that was a pinnacle experience. And I, I'd never been as far as that before. And, um, and, but it is so cumulative that it's like, yeah, that is a step. And then there's more and there's more and there's more. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating how, these things show up for us and the little like gift bombs that are there for us along the way. So thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yes. And oh, I loved hearing, I loved hearing about yours too. I was just looking at the structure you have on your wall, like the mandala. I was just seeing that, that blooming and, um, and I definitely wanted to include too, you know, it wasn't like, um, immediate meditative state. I think it was also because it was in the evening. I've always found it easier to kind of tap into that ooey gooey state in the evening meditations. Yeah. Um, but for me, the first couple of years really were just focusing on quieting the mind mm-hmm. with those just kind of brief interludes of, oh, 
my mind is quiet. And then, you know, thinking, and, oh, my mind is quiet. And, yes. and I have to go back again. So Right. Yeah. We just chased it. It was cumulative. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So um, what made you begin to create your guided meditations? Yeah, that was a kind of another serendipitous, spontaneous, unplanned thing. Um I was, I had a wellness blog and I knew I wanted to create content that helped people, serve people. And I had a YouTube channel that was more like smoothies and like five books to change your life kind of vibe. And then I created a Patreon as kind of a supplement to that. And I was thinking, what could I create for people that would be of value? And I had done my yoga teacher training fairly recently. And at the training, everyone kept telling me, Lucy, Lucy, you should make meditations. I love listening to your voice. And yeah, um, I I noticed that as soon as we started, I'm like, oh yeah, you've got a great voice for meditations for sure. Thank you. And, um, so that was my first go at it was on patron for my five patrons. Two of them were related to me (laughs) and I started creating these, um, meditations, just a monthly meditation. And it was actually a good friend of mine, um, Marlies, who said, Lucy, more people need to hear these than, you know, us five. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I started to share them on my website. And then um, my, it was my mom who was like, Lucy, you could do this more than monthly. Because I started to have this idea stack of ideas that I wanted to share and concepts and it was just growing. And so I started the weekly thing. And then it was a weekly listener who said, Hey, could you put these on Spotify? That's where I'm always listening. And so I tried to put them on as music, but you need a record label kind of for that. And then I thought, Oh, workaround is like the podcast route. And so that's how it became a podcast too, kind of like accidentally, um, just as a way to get people more access in the places they were listening to them. I love that. And you contributed a guided meditation to the Meditation Monday series on the meditation conversation. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes and of course also to your podcast and your your contact info, your website and everything. But um, people who are listening now probably have heard you um, in the in the guided meditation that you contributed. So thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. your meditation that you did was on radical self-love and I, I would love your perspective on finding like how people can work toward radical self-love and even what you mean about radical self-love and acceptance and the importance of that. Yes, absolutely. This has been a lifelong journey for me. Um, and I'll share the the things that worked the best for me and, and really created that shift. But radical self-love, as I see it, is really that unconditional love, loving yourself in all states. Because we all kind of have this kind of standard that it's easy to love ourselves when we're being, you know, productive, when we're being kind, when we're feeling good. But can you love yourself even when you're not being productive or kind or, you know, looking your best and really being able to find that kind of transcendent love. And it's absolutely possible. And meditation to me is the secret, is the key, being able to witness and finding that space beyond ideas, beyond thoughts, because that, to me, that is love. That space Mm. is love and it's always there, but then tuning into it. And it's so big and so vast that everything else starts to feel small. And something beautiful I learned was that in the presence of non-judgmental awareness, 
thoughts and ideas that are loving expand and anything that is unlike love dissolves anything that comes from fear so really we just need to show up with that non-judgmental awareness which really is the meditation practice um i would say is coming to that place of being able to see without having an opinion without following it necessarily and just being with continuing to being with holding there breathing being in that space and letting it all be okay Mm. and I'm very passionate about sharing that awareness that state for people to find and tap into because then I think you can do it for yourself throughout the day as well and so yeah that radical self-love being able to love yourself in all states and I'm sure you know this. I think most people in the spiritual world are familiar with the concept of, you know, the mirror universe as it is within, so it is without. And the most beautiful gift of the inner journey is everything you find for yourself, you can so easily give to others. And it's been just this exponential gift, the love I've been able to extend to others, the grace, you know, because I've held myself through those difficult emotions or embarrassing, shameful things when it comes up for someone else. I can be that person who's like, hey, it's okay. It really yeah. is okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's, it is so interesting, like the both, both ways of looking at it. Like when we can come into self-love, then we are, that's when we truly are able to love others. If we can't have that love for ourselves, we it starts with us. So we can't properly love another person and we can't properly receive love from others when we're lacking that self-love. The same goes for judgment. And I noticed this recently. I was at a, you know, I was with a a lovely group of people who I really like being around. Um, But the conversation kind of went toward like all these ways that we need to be improved in terms of like what we don't like about ourselves. And, and it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I, I need to have this done. I need to get this done. You know, it was all about like these things that we need to fix. And it made me really feel because the people I was talking to were being so critical of themselves and pointing out all these things that they don't like about themselves that they want to fix it really like made me automatically turn the laser onto myself. Like, Oh wait, I have that. Or I I'm like that. Or, you know, I, I, uh, do I need to have, you know, laser hair removal or, you know, whatever (laughs) it is that we were talking about, you know, it was just like, like, are my eyebrows okay? Are my, you know, and it was like, like, Oh, I haven't had my nails done in a long time. Just that all those kinds of things, like as they were highlighting, these things about themselves, it was like, oh, if they're criticizing themselves on this, they've got to be criticizing me as well, because I'm not looking, I'm not doing any of that. And, um, it really kind of made me like, not, not paranoid by any stretch of the imagination, but very much more aware of my physical flaws And the things that I don't (laughs) pay attention to were suddenly like these beacons of flaws. And it was just very interesting of like, oh, you know, we 
unwittingly, I, because I think a lot of times we also are wanting to like, there's a, a an attempt to be humble with some of these things where it's like, oh, I'm flawed. And, you know, so don't worry about me. Let me like shrink myself down so that you know how unworthy I am. And we're like almost trying to comfort somebody else or, or build somebody else up by tearing ourselves down. And, and we're not doing it consciously, but I do think that there is like a, a kindness almost, like a, a misplaced attempt at kindness in that exercise, you know, of like, wow, you know, you propping somebody else up, attempting to prompt somebody else up by like diminishing our light. But but it was just like very interesting to be able to stand back and be like, oh, what this actually does is put everybody on alert and make us scramble to be like, oh yeah, I've got now I've got to take care of hair and eyebrows and all of this because I'm not measuring up in also. Does that make sense? It was mm. just a very interesting contrast or, or like how like we pull others into that when yeah. we're doing that. And I was really getting this visual and I totally relate. And, you know, there's a part of me that's very vain too. I slip in and out of, of yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff as <laughs> yeah. well. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of seeing this like open field and then, you know, what we focus on expands. So it's really just lighting up that reality where this mm. is important that you are groomed in this way or you look in this way. And I think that's one thing I really love about meditation too, is it really takes you back to like out of the distortion. And it's like, does it really make a difference if you have, you know, hair on your legs or not, for example, mm -hmm. or a mustache or not, you know, mm -hmm. and like functionally, no. And hair actually serves a purpose, you know, especially if you're in Canada <laughs> to keep you warm. In the winter, right. And, <laughs> yeah. And like, it's one thing if it's like scratchy, abrasive, maybe beard giving you a rash on your skin, like that's something you can work through, but just like the actual function to kind of come out of the Maya of opinion and into like, is this actually a problem? And I think meditation gives that space. And then from that space, you could still, you know, choose to kind of go along with something or not. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool how you had that experience, you're able to see it. And I can totally relate to what you're saying. Like you're a natural harmonizer. So you kind of join on in on the conversation and like, oh yes, I should, you know, pluck my eyebrows as well. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's something I'm actually personally working on in my life is not harmonizing so much, just staying and holding where I am mm -hmm. and not mirroring so much. And even I've been practicing with my mom, not kind of, constantly giving conversational affirmation of like, yes, you're right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, and it really forces her to just sit with her, what she's saying and have to validate herself and vice versa for me, if she does it for me, where you're just left to like stand where you are and hold what you're holding. Yeah. But kind of, yeah, releasing that natural, because quite often if you're a loving person, you'll go to wherever they are, mm -hmm. but really you're only a value when you stay in that loving space. Yeah, so true. And I think there's such, it's worth all of us kind of reflecting on that paradigm where we do tend to knock our own heads off to make other people taller, you know, and what that actually does. Like it actually gets us all in that, um, 
that flow of like, well, this is how I'm wrong. This is how I'm flawed. This is, and yeah, we have flaws and, and there's, you know, you can go the other direction and be like completely arrogant and, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm so perfect. You know, of course you can go that way, which is also detrimental to, (laughs) to the conversation, but there is like this nice balance where it's like, just being mindful about what am I, how am I holding this space and what am I projecting onto everybody? And is there a more uplifting way to um, lift somebody up than to put myself down? You know, because it can kind of downward spiral the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And as you're talking, I'm just kind of imagining myself in that scenario. And I was just thinking, you know, questioning the other person, questioning what they're saying could be kind of a bridge there too. Um, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of Byron Katie's, the work, you know, is Mm. that true? Yeah. You know, is that true? Just bringing that even into the conversation. And how do you feel when you think that thought that you're wrong in some way? And who would you be without that? And I'm just thinking, oh, you know, and of course you need a willing audience. Some people might just be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know who you're talking to for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Read the room. But um, I was just thinking (laughs) that could be a way without, without, because you're not making it about you. You're just staying where you are, but bringing in that questioning because Mm. we all know in our hearts, like the other person is pure light, their beauty. But I've also sometimes I'll, you know, try to pump them up a little too in almost in a false way too, when really they kind of need to sit with what, where they are and what they're doing. And um, so just kind of bringing in the questioning, I think I'm just realizing in this moment could be helpful. I love that. Yeah. Well, talking, it's taking that a little bit further and, um, talking people through kind of their own process and getting to truth within them. Can you talk a little bit about the path of finding help an individual's path to finding their genius or their flow or their purpose? Um, How do you find the most direct or authentic route toward that? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that because I'm. This is something I'm like always buzzing with. <laughs> um, I think the first step to ev- everything in my life, just if I reflect on how I've uncovered any any gifts that have occurred, is an intense desire. I think there's that first feeling of like, am I gifted? Do I have a purpose? Like, am I valuable? And there's this this intense desire to have a purpose or to know your gifts or to have gifts. And I've definitely been on both sides of the fence. You know, I would say in my late teens, early twenties, like I really felt like nothing, you know? Um, but I wanted to be something not in a worldly sense, but I wanted to, yeah, know myself and have a purpose and serve the world. But I didn't know what I could offer the world, honestly. Mm. And I remember just thinking, you know, if I'm able to find, you know, happiness or love, like I like mark my words, I will help others do the same. Like I'll take them down that path too. And so I think that intense desire is sets in motion a whole bunch of things that kind of bring the process to unfolding. And then after that, to me, you know, meditation, <laughs> it it just really is such a root connector. It really is like plugging into the socket. And I just found like it starts to work on you in its own way. You really just have to show up and you're just sitting there, maybe quieting your mind, calming down. 
Now there's more science about kind of going into those deeper brainwave states and what that does for you. But I really feel like we all are that Christ consciousness. We all are perfection. We are, you know, created in God's image, you know, for lack of better words. And so that's everyone that's in everyone. And just like, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary, um, Joseph, or it's not a documentary. It's actually just a movie about Joseph Campbell's work, the hero's Mm -hmm. journey. It's called finding Joe recommended to everyone. And in it, they have a great visual of this golden statue that's been covered by mud over the years. So it kind of appears like this kind of black lobby statue and I think that's kind of that's us that's humanity right now and the globs are like all these beliefs and these kind of false identities and programming that's been passed down and so really it's just about pulling off those layers and then underneath there's that gold the gold is what's really there and meditation naturally unfolds those layers through creating that space to question things you believe about yourself your reactions emotions and as that distortion naturally starts to clear through that spaciousness, that non-judgmental awareness, love expands and anything that is unlike love starts to dissipate and naturally dissolve. Mm. And what's left, I feel like, are our gifts. And really, I think if there's anything that's lacking, it's really the framework to hold a diverse set of gifts because gifts are so nuanced. And like Einstein said, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll always fail. I think we have like these like 10 lanes of gifts that if you don't fit into, like you're not gifted. And I think as that expands spontaneously, more gifts will start to appear and become more apparent because even I've learned, um, even triggering someone is a gift. So those, those kind of rebel rousers and the naughty ones, you know, they're Mm. serving humanity deeply too, but we haven't quite been able to recognize that energy. And I think everything has an embodied and kind of a suppressed state. And when something's recognized and given sunshine and space and fresh air to grow it can really show its true beauty and genius and so I would say for the individual it really is having that desire which I think we all kind of innately have but really opening to the possibility that it could manifest that you could be more than you imagine and actually what really started my spiritual journey was through meditation And realizing that I was just a collection of other people's ideas and beliefs and wondering if there was anything else underneath. And that was kind of my great fear that there wasn't. (laughs) Um, And then through that kind of discovering the the spacious uh, still I am and feeling my authentic energy start to arise. And then the gifts, you know, nothing came all at once. I've noticed there's a serious lag time between my desires and realization. But then looking back a decade, um, over a decade later, I can see how, wow, yeah, things did start to kind of naturally sprout and seed and arise. And um, now I do genuinely feel like a gifted person, not any more gifted than anyone else, but gifted Mm. like we all are. And so I, I think it kind of all comes back to that meditation, just you know, taking the journey and the desire, I think will feel the continuity of the practice and the return to it again and again. I love that. And I love how you're talking about just that really the genius and the purpose ultimately just being, who are we authentically beyond 
who we've been told we are, who we've been trained that we are, who we've been conditioned that we are. Because I think that so many people get caught up in what's my purpose and that equals my career or that equals the work that I'm doing. And that might be, it may be that you're not meant to be an accountant. You're really meant to be a spiritual teacher. It very well could be. But it also could be that you are meant to be in the mainstream public doing the work that you're doing, or you're meant to be at home being the mom that you are, or you're meant to be something that is not necessarily innately spiritual, but you are meant to be exactly where you are engaging with the people that you are in the authentic way that you're bringing that vibration, you're bringing your wisdom, you're bringing your your light to what it is that you're doing. And, and the only way you can do that is by lining up with your true, authentic, eternal being without the conditioning or, or peeling away as much of that as you can so that you're getting deeper and deeper into that crux of who you really are. And so in that, by that definition, your purpose is different. It could be different than your work or different than like, you know, what you see yourself doing in a professional capacity. And that, that opens up the idea of purpose to, to being immediate to being exactly mm. right now, not once you stop doing the work that you're doing, not when you're not an accountant anymore, you've saved up enough that you can let go of that and you can really make the leap to, you know, being the whatever, the fill in the blank, you know, um, it's, it's makes it, I think, much more accessible in terms of like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to leave my family. I don't have to go and join a monastery. <laughs> And, you know, it's like, you know, that is a, you know, I think for a long time, people, um, that was a path that people felt drawn to where they left the material world, but the trauma that that leaves behind, the, the mess that that leaves for other people is is something that we can't negate. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, I'm going to go and, and leave my children and follow my, you know, my true path or whatever it is. Like, I'm not sure that that actually, if we want to talk about karma or we want to talk about the ripples that we have that, you know, um, some of those things are not for our, our highest good and the highest good of the people that we, we, we embody, you know, that we came into this life with and that we, we are engaging with, you know, from a soul level. So Absolutely. I love how that opens that up. Yes. And something, something really foundational in my life um, after meditation was coming across the book, A Course in Miracles. Mm. And what I love most about that is how it kind of distills everything down to, is it love or is it fear? Yeah. And you don't have to guess, you feel it, you know, like if someone's yelling at you, I love you. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you do, but like right now you're in a state of fear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and fierce children would be judgment, anger, um, yeah, depression, all those kinds of things. And 
So I think, and something I learned from the teacher Abraham Hicks, another foundational teacher in my life was that, you know, your spirit's always calling you forward. It's not pushing against. It's not saying, yeah, get away from those guys. It's just naturally calling you through joy to what, you know, you're meant to be in, in next. And so that's kind of a good way to catch, like, is it the mind um, that's kind of running the show? And you you basically never want to fi- follow <laughs> um, the mind or certainly not fear um, when it's that pushing against crunchy, got to get away from energy, um, something's wrong energy. Spirit is always, you know, kind of like, you know, this is beautiful and let's go over here. What about this? Or, you know, mm. could you explore that? And Um, But really, I love everything you said, too, about how purpose, it's more in how you're showing up in each moment. And are you moving towards that evolutionary impulse that's kind of innate in you? I feel like all of us are part of this beautiful tapestry, this pattern that's unfolding, and we share much in common. Certainly at the root, I think we're all the same. Um, And for me, it's really, I wanted to make life easier for other people. I looked at the suffering in the world and in my own life. And I, I live a very blessed life. So I'm like, if I'm suffering, how's anyone else, you know, getting through the day. And like, I would just do anything to like make that easier or better or help, you know, in some way. And meditation was the path that, you know, it took almost a decade to find or to come to eventually from that desire to realization. But I think life, life led me on that journey through many different ways. And, um, I've witnessed, you know, I have a a mom who's really bright and shiny and colorful and I see how she lives her purpose every day just by being her. But I've also seen her on that quest to kind of chase a greater purpose, career, vocation. And it's hard for me to explain to her in a way. I'm like, you are doing what I think you came here to do every day with the people you meet, the cashier. Um, yeah, just everyone she meets, I can see how she touches them and makes their life better. Um, but I, you also see that kind of worldly thing that, Oh, you got to turn that into something like you got to be a coach or make a business out of it. And, um, that could be the case, but I think that's where meditation comes in again, because then you can really have that truthful moment with yourself and either ask your heart or spirit, like, you know, like what's true here? What's real here? What do I really want? And you might feel a sense of relief if you realize, oh, I don't have to do that. And that'll be a good sign that maybe it was um, the mind's machinations, not necessarily a spirit impulse. Yeah, that's great. What do you see as the future of humanity in terms of where we're going? These times are changing really quickly and I'm curious about any any sense that you get about where we're headed. Yes. Um, well, conversations I've just been having in my personal life right now are how we're moving from binary to spectral living. You know, we're really coming out of that thick paradigm of right and wrong, left and right, um, very institutional. Um, there's kind of one way to be a human and we're all kind of climbing that pyramid or trying to get there to be that, you know, perfect citizen. And I really feel like we're branching out into this spectral kind of rainbow way of being where there's many ways to be, many good ways to be. It's not one or the other. No human is good or bad. So I think we're kind of, those paradigms are dissolving. And that's just going to create a lot more space for expression, for gifts, and for, I think, this great harmony. I think I think many of us 
have maybe had this revelation that we are like a symphony being played. And when everyone plays their true note, we come into this beautiful harmony. We are this collective organism. And so I see that happening, but I think like any transition or change point, it's like shaky when something changes states from um, like a water to a gas. You know, there's that Mm -hmm. period where I think the entropy is higher, the energy, and it looks like chaos, but really it's transformation. And a really beautiful metaphor I heard from Abraham Hicks was that if you went down to the cellular level of a plant, like a seed becoming a flower, it would look like absolute chaos and anarchy. And it, it's not like the beauty that we see that's slow and gentle. And all of a sudden there's this flower that's just kind of from our perspective. And so I really feel like we're in this beautiful time of change. I know many of us feel it, the collective awakening. And all futures I see are very bright. So, um, yeah, and it, it is a birthing process. I think we're in the contractions, but just knowing that, you know, can you breathe into them? And, you know, meditation, I couldn't even explain how deeply it's blessed my life, but it becomes very obvious during times of more trauma, either personal or collective, when you're able to ride that wave, see the higher purpose. And really, when I look back over the past couple of years, they've been very peaceful, good years for me. And that's because I haven't like bought into the fear or didn't follow down those tracks or have those kinds of conversations. And so I think, you know, we're all taking this ride there and, and it can be as smooth as, as we'll allow it to be through bringing in more breath, more softness, more seeing where we're going. Mm. And, you know, yeah, the future I see is, yeah, even the dissolution of countries and kind of the more the creation of conscious communities where we'll all be moving around in resonance. So you'll live in the community that you're resonating with and it'll be a bit more mobile. Um, yeah, yeah, I see really beautiful things. And, and, with the creation of AI, I just see that accelerating so quickly because so many things, there's a lot of jobs, like even being an accountant, like if, if there's going to be some people who are passionate there and they'll still be in and there'll be space for them. I really believe that anyone who it's truly correct and joyful for them to be somewhere, there will be space for that and, and need. And, um, but yeah, I, I just see that accelerating everything to the place where more and more people are liberated to live in their gifts. Mm. And I was talking with a friend the other night about how it's the dissolution of the end and the rebirth of the means. Because if, you know, you don't need to create something because a robot can do it, then it's like, why would you create it? Because it brings you joy. Why would you write something if AI could write the novel? Yeah, (laughs) You know, because you want to write the novel. And so Mm. it's really that rebirth of, being present and doing things for the sake of doing, um, almost returning to that instinctual animal nature and natural essence. Mm. So I see very, I see very great things ahead. Um, Beautiful. For sure. I love that. Well, Lucy, this has been a wonderful conversation. Please share how people can connect with you and find you. Yes, um, you can find all my meditations under Purely Being Guided Meditations on all podcast platforms, excuse me. Um, And then I have a website, purelybeing.com. That's where all my courses are, blog posts, things like that. And then I have an Instagram at Purely Being that I post on sometimes too. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your light today. I really appreciate connecting with you. Thank you, Kara. It's been a pleasure. Truly. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. 